Welcome to Talk Flagler. You're looking to local personalities, businesses, and everything west of the beach waves. I'm your host, Joey Santos-Jones. And on this episode, we're talking to Flagler County Sheriff Rick Staley. Sheriff Staley, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, so tell us about how you first got involved in law enforcement. Well, I was a, a police explorer with the Seminole County Sheriff's Office uh, back when I was 16. And then uh, ultimately uh, became a Oviedo police officer uh, at age 19. And then uh, Altamont Springs. Uh, and then in 1977, I joined the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Well-traveled. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Start out small, small cities. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Orange County uh, was the agency at the time in Central Florida to uh, that, that you aspired to be with. Yeah, a and lot of action going on there. A lot of action, a big professional agency. Gotcha. And it turned out to be just, you know, a great career for me there. I was... I was promoted all the way up to under sheriff, which is second in command. Wow. Um, and I had sheriffs that uh, uh, paid it forward, if you will. They uh, sent me to the FBI National Academy and wow. the Southern Police Institute. The FBI Academy is like the West Point of uh, law enforcement in America. So, you know, and along the way, I got my degrees, you know, working. <laughs> so it's all you can hope for along the way. Right. Yeah. Um, how did your career progress to eventually become the sheriff of Flagler County? So it was interesting. I retired uh, from Orange County in 2001 and um, had about nine months off. And then I joined uh, Gaylord Palms Resort as their uh, security manager and hired their security team. That's actually where I met my wife. Actually. Hey. And uh, so, so God had a reason that I was supposed to go there. Yeah. And then uh, ultimately um, I was... Uh, asked to join uh, Ginn Development uh, as a senior vice president in charge of security for five states in the Bahamas. So that's how I got to Flagler County because yeah. he he relocated all his executives up here. So it's a nice town. It is. It's a great town. And that's where he had all his aircraft running out of Flagler Airport. And uh, so it was, a, it was a, a really cool job. I learned a lot. And uh, it was, you know, I could... Uh, call up our aviation section and fly to the Grand Bahama Island and see my security team, have lunch, and be back in Flagler that evening. I mean, not too many people get to do that, yeah, right? Yeah, back. And, uh, but then when uh, when he went under in 2008, I started my own security company. Gotcha. And uh, it was actually uh, based uh, in Palm Coast, um, actually in the complex that we're recording this right now. Uh, yeah, it's been around a while now. Right. And... Um, uh, built it up to 128 employees and three and a half million a year in revenue. And then we sold it. Uh, my wife and I did. She was actually the president. So I worked for her. And <laughs> Usually the way it works. In the exactly. Dynamic. Right. And uh, we sold in 2012 to a national firm. And then I was asked to be the undersheriff here. And, uh, and I did that for two years. And uh, the sheriff and I just had a difference of uh, opinion. And I just decided that I'm going to retire. And I was retired. In fact, I was in an RV uh, in Montana in 2015 when the community started calling me, uh, would I run for sheriff? Yeah. And I was a holdout, quite frankly. Um, and so I was asked to look at who the candidates were. There were eight candidates at that point uh, running for sheriff. Uh, when I got back, my wife and I got back about two weeks later. And I started looking at uh, who was running and it was like, wow, you know, this is the best we have. And my wife was encouraging me to run. 
Not too many wives do that. They do not, no. Uh, to run for political office. And, uh, you know, she just kept saying that uh, you need to run for the community and the agency because the agency was in turmoil. Yeah. And uh, so ultimately I was convinced to run for sheriff in uh, the 2016 election. I call it a spirited election with so many uh, candidates running, but uh, the voters uh, selected me and, and so I became the sheriff uh, in January 3rd of 2017. Yeah. And ever since. Right. So I was reelected uh, in 2020 with 70% of the vote. Uh, that's the highest margin for any incumbent in Flagler County in four decades. How do you manage uh, knowing, uh, compared to a lot of the other politicians we have in the county, your popularity has kind of been stable? It doesn't really waver too much. Is that something that's in your mind when you make decisions or is your decision always based on the right decision? My decision is based on the right decision. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, it's the right thing to do. Yes. But more, most importantly, I'm financially secure. So, um, you know, my wife and I did very well when we sold our company and when we owned it. And I have my retirement from Orange County. So I can make decisions that I feel are best for the community and best for this agency instead of worrying about, I got to have this paycheck yeah, because I, and I need to get reelected. When's the next Where, election cycle? Do I not make decisions based on that? Right. So I, I would, you know, I'd be disappointed if the public uh, says we want a different sheriff. Um, but I, I'm not beholden because I need the paycheck. So that allows me the freedom and the flexibility yeah. to, to make the right decisions. Uh, kind of talking to the right decisions, uh, according to a June report from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, Flagler's crime rate has dropped 20% from uh, year over year, well over the average rate to drop for the state. What measures has the sheriff's office taken that led to numbers like that? Yeah, so in my first four years as sheriff, it's actually dropped 48% in, in the four years. And, and I'll tell you, there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one is I came from a very large agency, Orange County, uh, Orlando area. So I know what a professional cutting edge agency uh, should be providing. Um, and um, what this agency lacked was a vision and a direction and a motivated team. They were good employees. Yeah. They just weren't, uh, weren't given a good, good direction. So the first thing I did was uh, create three districts. Uh, so that we would police by district. So District 1 is the, the Hammock Island area, Flagler Beach. Um, district 2 is the Urban Core, which is the city of Palm Coast. And District 3 is the West Side, the ranches, the farmers, in some smaller residential areas. Flagler County, I did that because Flagler County has three unique uh, communities. So you got the island side that has quality of life issues, but not really much crime. You have the urban core, Palm Coast, which has everything. Yeah. And then you have the west side. So each one of those districts uh, and population centers require slightly different policing because they have slightly different problems. Okay. So by assigning deputies to work those districts that they're interested in, because we let them choose, and I think all but four got their first choice. Majority are obviously assigned to the city of Palm Coast. Yeah. So if if somebody uh, you know likes dealing with what's unique to the West Side with the ranches and farms and theft of fuel and you know criminal mischief things like that, 
then they're going to provide a better product to the community. And the familiarity and the relationship probably helps a lot too. I remember as a kid, I've lived here my whole life, Okay, was that know the sheriffs that are in your area and problems will kind of avoid you. Correct. And, and so we also implemented uh, guardianship policing. So that's a hybrid of community policing. And what guardianship uh, does is where the community and law enforcement come together to be the guardians of it. It might just be your street, might be your neighborhood, or the community as a whole. Is that so, fam- similar to the neighborhood watch signs that you see on some streets? Well, the neighborhood watch is a part of that, but, but that is a different program. Okay. And uh, I think the philosophy that we have with guardianship policing is we police with the community. We don't police the community. So just changing two words, with or the, is a completely different style of policing. Yeah. Um, The way we view the relationship between LEO officers and the people they serve has changed a lot nationwide in recent years. What would your message be to someone who's apprehensive about the local sheriff's deputies, potentially because of what they've seen on the news? This is talking to that relationship. So uh, first, I would say that what you see on the news is, uh, in some cases, very tragic around the country. It also tells me that those agencies were not doing any form of community policing. They probably didn't hold uh, their officers accountable or set the right culture in the agency. You don't have to worry about that in the Flagler County Sheriff's Office. We carefully select our deputies. We put them through a lot of training, way above what what the state basic uh, requirements are. We do a lot of uh, de-escalation training. In fact, since I've been sheriff, we probably legally could have used uh, deadly force on 12 to 15 uh, cases. Uh, Fortunately, we were able to de-escalate those, and we only had to use uh, deadly force one time, and then we went and saved the guy's life after that. He just didn't give us the opportunity uh, to try to de-escalate. He escalated it so fast. And, you know, I want all my deputies to go home at night so we don't make those choices. But just because you can legally do it doesn't mean you should use deadly force. So I think that's a difference here and that, uh, you know, this is a great community to serve. It's very supportive of its law enforcement. Um, I've met uh, with the new NAAC president a few times. And uh, if we have an issue, uh, I can reach up uh, and call him and he has my cell phone and can call me. And that's that's the kind of relationship that we try to build in the community. Um, we asked the East Mosquito Control about services that they had that the normal citizen wouldn't know. Uh, a lot of our listeners were absolutely surprised by some of the services that you could call them to actually like come out to your house and stuff like that. As far as the FCSO goes, are there any services that the average citizen wouldn't be uh, aware of or know that they could utilize? So probably um, uh, the one that's probably uh, the most unknown is our COP volunteers will do home security checks while you're on vacation. Oh, wow. And most people don't know that. Did not Uh, know that. We we try to market it and let people know. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we don't guarantee nothing will happen, but at least there's a watchful eye, you know, once a day, uh, checking your home while you're out of town or on vacation. And all you have to do is call our district office, district two in Palm coast where they work out of, and they'll put you on that schedule. 
What's funny that you say that, does that come from your uh, experience in private security? Was that just a thought process to extend it kind of in the public offerings? Well, actually, the COPs were doing that before okay. uh, I was sworn in as sheriff. But we did that when I had my security company, too. And, you know, it also helps prevent crime. Yeah. So if, if criminals see, uh, you know, patrol cars stopping, getting out, walking around the home and stuff like that, they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Also, the philosophy locks keep honest people honest. Correct. Um, as of this week, uh, Buddy Tiller Middle School has had five students arrested since late August for having loads of threats of gun violence against teachers and fellow students. Is there a reason for this trend? And what would be your message to concerned BTMS parents be? So uh, it is we have had this unusual um, rash of threats. And so I would tell parents that are listening is talk to your kids. Teach them the proper way to handle disputes and anger uh, and not act out. Because after the Stoneman uh, Douglas shooting in South Florida, Florida passed a very strict law uh, about making uh, threats. And there is no gray area in this for law enforcement. And if you, when we come and knock on your door or talk to you and you say, oh, I was just joking, it's too late. It's like, you know, calling fire in a, in a movie theater, yeah. you know, it's against the law and you can't do it. Now, what has, what has triggered this, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not a child psychologist, but I would suspect that, you know, they have been at home uh, in many cases because of COVID being taught online. Now they're back in a uh, public school setting and, um, and maybe they have some anger issues or maybe they're not being taught properly by parents at home. Or maybe, you know, it's a, I grew up in a single family home uh, with my mom. So I, I don't I don't buy that as an excuse. But I know that parents are busy, uh, sometimes working one and two jobs uh, to take care of their kids. But you really need to monitor what they're doing and what they're saying. They use Snapchat, you know, Twitter, you name it. Um, TikTok. Not, not, yeah, TikTok. Not Facebook so much more. That's that's an older person's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, social media platform. Uh, but you really know what your what your kids are doing. But I guess my message to parents is: be the sheriff at home. Don't just be a friend. You have a responsibility as a parent to teach your kids. And so be the sheriff at your home, because I don't want to be, and neither do my deputies want to be the sheriff. But we will if your child or you don't teach your kids right from wrong, then we have to be the sheriff when they make these threats. And it's a very serious uh, crime. It can have long-term lasting effects uh, on kids, and we don't like doing it. But we're also going to make sure that we don't have a Stoneman Douglas in Flagler County. Yeah, you have to take the measures that you do. It's increasingly difficult with social media because one, if it's anonymous, if it's not an account that's obvious to who it is, other students may report it and then you're kind of trying to figure out what. In in the, the, I don't think uh, the students or even your listeners understand how much work goes into one of these cases. Uh, You get a TikTok uh, video and it makes a threat. So we got our Homeland Security section, our real-time crime center, our detectives, school resource deputies are all involved to track down and see if it is a legitimate threat 
or not. And um, hundreds of hours of uh, resources go into each one of these investigations at a huge cost uh, to the taxpayer. Yeah. Um, in more recent news, you were recently elected uh, chair of the Florida Commission of Law Enforcement Accreditation. Congratulations, by Thank the way. Uh, what does this new post entail? So uh, I'm one of 15 commissioners. I've been on the commission since 2018. I've actually been involved in law enforcement accreditation since uh, 2004. And the Flagler County Sheriff's Office is accredited by the, by this commission. And so um, chairman, obviously, I run the meetings and I can set the agenda for the commission meeting. We meet three times a year. And we take it very seriously. In fact, since I've been on the commission, we revoked the Broward County Sheriff's Office accreditation after Stoneman Douglas and all the investigations. Uh, they have since uh, qualified to get it back. But, uh, but if you don't live up to the standards that are required to be an accredited agency, we're going to yank it from you. And uh, so accreditation ensures that the law enforcement agency is operating at the most professional and highest standards expected in in uh, today's professional law enforcement environment. And I would suspect that the agencies that have had trouble are not accredited. Florida, Florida is a leader in accreditation. The Sheriff's Office is not only accredited for law enforcement uh, here uh, since 2005, but in 2018, we, our corrections, our jail was accredited also for the first time in its history. And in fact, uh, both accreditations were just reaccredited. So corrections were just reaccredited. Law enforcement was reaccredited. They have to go through it every three years. So, you know, it's an honor for me to be elected by my 14 peers. Uh, and they are appointed to the commission by members of the Florida Sheriff Association, the Florida Police Youth Association, city, county organizations. We have a judge on there. We have an, an inspector wow. yeah. general. So this is not a, just a law enforcement panel. It's all levels. Correct. Yeah. Um, which actually brings me to a point. I, I think you and Sheriff Chitwood both do a great job is with Facebook and all this social media, you obviously have a bigger platform to explain scenes and what's happening in the process of that. Right. How do you feel that your department utilizes that and how does that help with conveying the message? Uh, I think we use it pretty well. We can always improve and, and increase it. Like, for example, we need to start doing TikTok a little more and a little <laughs> bit better, quite frankly. Uh, but we're moving in that direction. But I believe an informed community, an engaged community is a safer community. So we want the community to know what's going on. And uh, you'll see us post things, attempt to identify, and we solve cases uh, because of that. You know, Because everywhere you go today, there's a camera somewhere. Yeah. You know, whether you're shopping in a store, you're driving down the road at your home. So we have a program called Silent Guardian that you can register uh, your camera, whether it's business or or residential. So I would that, assume with ring doorbells and stuff like that, correct. Almost, if you could have three of them in a row, you see. Correct. I mean, we solved a homicide um, because of cameras and a ring doorbell. This was a few years ago and a person was just convicted. And we actually had had the murder on a camera. Wow. We actually saw it occur and we saw the getaway car. And then our real-time crime center gets involved with piecing information together. And ultimately, we get a tag number and 
it takes us to the individual. Um, I'd say on a, a final note, uh, tell us about some exciting events coming up with the Flagler County Sheriff's Office or any other notes that you want to say to the community. Um, coming up on uh, November 20th, uh, there's going to be a chili challenge between the fire department and the sheriff's office uh, at the Agriculture Museum. Um, and it goes to support Agriculture uh, Museum. So, so come out on November 20th. I think it's from 10 to 5. And uh, be sure to vote for the sheriff's office. <laughs> and because when they asked us to participate, I said, really, you want us to, you know, go up against a fireman that, that stay in a firehouse and cook all day? And uh, so, you know, we'll, uh, we're going to have some fun with that. That'll be uh, that's an upcoming fun event. And then we will have uh, our shop with a cop. It's part of Flagler Sheriff's Children's Charities. Uh, that will be at Walmart. And uh, we're taking um, names and qualifying for kids now. So if you know a child that may not have a, a good Christmas uh, because of financial issues or just, you know, what, whatever the issue may be, uh, reach out to one of our school resource deputies and, and nominate a child. Awesome. Great events. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, for any listeners, you could leave comments, obviously, subscribe uh, in any way to the Flagler County Sheriff's Office Facebook page uh, and various social media platforms. Uh, Sheriff Rick Stilley, thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you. And you can always go to FlaglerSheriff.com, sign up for a monthly newsletter and, of course, our social media platforms and stay, stay engaged with us because we want to be engaged with you. Absolutely. Thank you again, Sheriff. Okay.